1: Are you comfortable discussing money and your personal wealth? If not, where would you start? Is it money and your family, money and charitable contributions, or business and personal wealth? This is Conversations with Money, featuring your hosts, Franco Caliguri and Marissa Sipolinski. Our show is about real people talking about money. You will develop a better understanding about your conversations with money. And also, hopefully, develop some new habits to make conversations about money easier. Now, here is Franco and Marissa.
2: Welcome. You're listening to Conversations with Money. I am your host, Franco Caligari,
0: and I am your host, Marissa Zablanski.
2: We're here today to talk about money. We're here to talk about your money and the relationship that we have with our money,
0: or with not money,
2: an interaction the lack well, hopefully we're here to talk about the abundance of money and Correct. how you can create abundance of money and also how money can work in our daily lives and how we feel about money and how we make decisions when, well, with our money. So welcome, uh, Marissa.
0: Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so uh, first of all, last week you did a uh, a great presentation at Canadian Cancer Society that maybe you'd maybe want to share um, little
2: bit about that. Sure. Well, thank you. Yes, and you were there. You were in attendance. Thank you for joining me and and listening in. Uh, yes, it was a presentation to the uh, to the donors of the Canadian Cancer Society. They invited me to speak uh, to some of their their donors uh, that they invited out. You know, because Marissa, you and I, we have a goal of redirecting a billion dollars that would go to the tax department and. Uh, Go towards the nonprofit and charitable sector. It's quite. something that we definitely believe in.
0: I quite enjoyed when I realized that two people in the audience were from the from the government. <laughs> As you announced the uh, goal that we have to redirect a billion dollars from them to the not-for-profit, <laughs> I watched their faces and, and smirked a little bit.
2: Well, they, they, they did come up uh, afterwards, and uh, <laughs> that was it, good. It, it was uh, definitely a, a very good uh, conversation. I was a little nervous, I have to admit, uh, when they said they're from uh, the, the revenue Why agency. Why are you nervous? Well, they're from the revenue agency. I
0: know, but still, you're I, I still think it's a good goal. It's just it's funny when they happen to be sitting in the audience.
2: Well, absolutely. They got invited, <laughs> and but they did make a comment that what we're sharing and what we're doing is definitely... Uh, a service to the the public because it it it's amazing and continues to surprise me how many people don't understand the relationship that they have with money and the tools are available to them that they can use to actually help build their wealth.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: The you, government
2: wants the government wants us to use these tools to actually save money.
0: Yeah, and you mentioned in that presentation. A book called Money Assassins. I actually wrote down the title when I saw the presentation and went home and started researching it. And then I realized that the author is who we have as a guest on today's show. So I was quite excited when I realized that.
2: Yeah, I'm pretty excited about uh, the guests that we do today. But uh, before we get into it, uh, I just want to make sure that you are following us on Twitter. And you can follow us on Twitter at Your Money Matters. And the matters, there's no E. We just want to make it uh, different. So at Your Money Matters, it's M-A-T-T-R-S. Or you can uh, go to our website uh, and you can check us out. We actually have a video of Marissa and I, so you can check us out and see who we are. Our website is www.capitalcorefinancial.com. Are we on Facebook, uh, Marissa?
0: We are at Capital Core Financial. And as well, if Mm -hmm. you have any questions during the show, you can call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. And if you're shy and don't feel like getting personal just yet, you can also email us at info at capitalcorefinancial.com. So, here we go. Going back to Money Assassins. Money Assassins. When I pulled it up online after uh, you had talked about it in the a very interesting
2: title for mm-hmm. a book.
0: And the line that stood out to me was the, the direct bio that I saw at first where it's The Essential Guide to Eliminating Debt and Creating Wealth in an economy. economy. Economy stacked against you. Wow! Yeah, there was there was uh, it was an intense, uh, a lot of concepts and thoughts that I thought could spawn a lot of great conversation with Chad today. So I'm looking forward to diving into it.
2: Well, just a little background on Chad. Uh, Chad uh, Bennett, uh, who is the author of Money Assassins. Uh, You know, Chad will help us today understand how we sabotage growing our wealth. Perfect uh, topic, uh, as our show really does focus on that. Now, Chad began his career as an advisor uh, in 1998. Then he detoured into management for a few years. And I think that's actually when I met uh, Chad. Uh, so I've known him for, for a while now. And, but he did return uh, to his true passion, which is working with uh, clients. And in 19, sorry 2005, he joined a firm. Uh, called RTR Advisory Group. Now, Chad uh, is passionate about ensuring that the financial future and well-being of his clients are secure. And uh, Chad is the author, as we stated, uh, of Money Assassins and uh, how they stole your financial freedom, how you can get it back. But uh, that's a very interesting title for a book. uh, Money Assassins,
0: I know. That's why I thought it was... I think there's a couple things that I want to that I want to get into some topics that he he covers and he dives into a little bit. One that I found particularly interesting was how technology has been harmful to our financial success and how technology is actually keeping us from achieving uh, financial success and true wealth. So I'm curious to sort of dive into that a bit further. Well. It- but,
2: yeah, definitely. I, I definitely see it uh, with uh, the advent of, of the Internet and Google searches uh, in the last 10 years. It, it It amazes me of how much information that's out there. Now, mm-hmm. a lot of it is good information, but however, it can also be stacked against you because with more information, it can lead to not making decisions or making too quick of a decision and not really fully understanding what uh, the consequences are. And actually this morning, uh, Marissa, in, in our team meeting that we had here in the office, we you were talking to someone, an advisor uh, within the company, of, of not being quick on making a judgment too quickly without gathering all the facts and really taking the time to understanding the impact.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Chad, are you with us?
3: Yeah, I'm bad. I'm here.
2: Oh, perfect, perfect. Uh, we were uh, just introducing you and asking if you're on the line, and there was just silence. But silence. then we started
0: getting into I, how I was technological advancements <laughs> <were> <laughs> by money. Yeah, we started discussing we'll how how technological advancements have uh, potentially hindered us in our ability to achieve financial success. And uh, wealth, uh, a lot of the conversation that we've been having over the past five episodes has been on how we limit ourselves from achieving true wealth, and how it's it's our own limiting beliefs and and the environment that we've created around us that's oftentimes the the hindering us the most. So I'm curious to dive into that conversation with you in terms of your thoughts on how technology has been harmful.
2: Well, first of all, I just want to ask you, chad, what what inspired you or motivated you to to write this book?
3: Yeah, um, it was it's kind of my years when I was in Vancouver in my management days when we you know I I met a lot of people and advisors kept coming to me and they're saying that you know they were working with hardworking smart people and they just had no money and so I just started asking the question why are so many smart hardworking people with no money. And as I started doing research for about three or four years for the book, um, some of the answers that started to come up kind of surprised me. And one of the biggest ones was the conclusion that, you know, as you guys talk a lot about, you know, how do our values and beliefs and stories, how are they created? And one of the things that I kind of noticed since basically around the 1970s, um, the story culture that we live in and the economy we live in started to create some drastically different stories that we started to tell ourselves and um that is what really kind of how the book came about because i just really wanted to help people Mm -hmm. and then on the technology side and rest of your question about technology um it's you know Back in you know the 1970s and 1980s, there, there was no interact cards. Uh, visa and line of credits just started to really come onto the scene. And a lot of Canadians didn't know how they were supposed to interact with these devices. And one of the examples I kind of always use is, um, you know, cash was always ability to, um, you know, have a, a check stop in our in our in our financial psyche that we could say, "Do I really want to spend this money?" Do I, I have I really- it or
0: I don't. Yeah, yeah,
3: exactly. And I remember uh, we were driving in the car when I was young, and my dad said, "Hey, let's go to Kentucky Fried Chicken for dinner tonight." When Kentucky Fried Chicken was still popular, um, <laughs> and. Uh, And my dad said, but I don't have any cash. And he asked my mom, he said, do you have any cash? And she said, no. "No." And uh, he said, well, the ATM just closed and they don't take Visa. So we went home and, you know, cooked a meal at home. Well, today that we can give into all our financial impulses, right? We can, if we think of, you know, we Mm, just click a button and it's done. And so that...
2: yeah, it, to to actually have that ability to actually spend money 24-7, 365 days a year, I think it, it is what causes us to get into the financial problems and, and issues that we get into because that, that instant gratification, satisfying that instant gratification, it causes us to, to overspend and not have the the control factors unless we create that discipline within ourselves.
0: Well, how yeah. would you I mean you're not taught those things though, going back, like we're not taught those things and it, it is it's interesting when you talk about the credit cards. I can't even imagine because we grew up in such a you know, multiple credit cards, there's so many options that as you said, all of our financial impulses at our fingertips are just so easy to, you know, act on that we haven't had to experience a lot of that. And and I can't even imagine what that would be like, being like, Oh, we don't have any cash available, so we won't do it.
2: So we'll go home and actually make, it make a make meal. meal. Yeah.
0: Right. Yeah, I mean, and
2: Chad, I feel sorry for you that you didn't uh, get that able KFC, to, uh, KFC. I mean, today. You still remember that? Hey,
0: yes, I do. Why? Your body's <laughs> probably thanking you for it. Yes. No, but it, I mean, it's interesting because we're not taught with the advantage of all of these shiny credit cards that were given. It's not like a any further financial uh, teachings or education was given to us on how to properly spend within your means or, or live within your means and spend within your budget.
3: Well, and one of the- so it's like we
0: were given the. We are given the tool without the education, which exactly. is what creates the problem.
3: And one of the things when I was doing the research for the book that started to gr- have a growing concern was who whose responsibility is it to, to do the future education of, uh, of kids and, and teenagers and young adults? And when you look at who is doing the significant portion of the education, It is the debt industry. It's significantly, um, you know, the lending industry does a lot of like marketing and education around um, the, you know, what's financially responsible, which, I, you know, many financial advisors would disagree with Um, the credit cards are trying to get into the schools to give education. And you can imagine that uh, they're not going to probably promoting that you don't use it. You know, you see a lot of, you know, things of getting your credit card early so you can promote uh, good credit ratings and they give free credit cards with gifts on campuses. And, you know, it's really become, you know, whose responsibility is it to give that education and, uh, and and to me, that's one of the things that I found really concerning when I was doing the research is that the education is really falling on the debt industry. Um, and you know the financial planning industry has not really been given the the access just because you know you have individual advisors competing against large corporations who can uh, persuade institutions to say, "Let us in and we'll do the education."
2: Well, I think it's going to continue to be compounded um, the, the, this sh- this issue of um, self-control. My wife and I uh, over the weekend uh, were talking about the 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 advancements uh, with uh, payments using our cell phones now. All you right. simply the commercial shows you simply tap your phone to a device that the merchant will have, and you you. Yeah and then and, and they're really targeting um, the individuals that are, are quite savvy or have the smartphone devices and I would say the majority are are, are the, the younger uh, individuals in society so if, if that's what they're growing up with um, Chad I know I know you have uh, kids young ones and you, you what, what do they want to play they want to use your, your cell phone or the the devices uh, the mobile devices and it's very it, it's, it's amazing to see how quickly they adopt to the to those technologies and when something, doesn't uh, doesn't swipe? They can't use their finger to swipe. They 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 wonder what's going on. How come I can't use this device? But well, if, I, if if that is what they're being taught, where's that going to go? Because now you don't have that 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 exchange of of paper to to really control that. Oh, I can't afford it. Because I don't want the money.
3: Right. The uh, you know, it's interesting that you know my youngest may not remember physical money. Um, and the concept of Mm. what physical money could actually do and and, in exactly what you're saying is in that critical thinking and so I think you know that that skill and I know the schools are really trying to promote is the the concept of critical thinking of you know and when you're when we're teaching kids to give them as many more experiences uh, along with money that you know lasts keeps a lasting impression in their mind and one of the best ones about Uh, the value of money that I came across was someone said, you know, start small, start, you know, give your kids the task of planning a supper meal out, but they have to pay for transportation, the tip, the meal, getting home, everything. And, you know, and you could probably do that without the physical money now, right? And you could give them a budget and they can do the math on it. Um, But I think it's bringing those critical thinkings into the physical world and into those real life experiences that will really help kids with that mindset when they're dealing with basically the virtual currencies, Um, you know, having their own lemonade stand and they get a a sense of actually how much did it cost to do this. Um, And I think that's going to be the challenge for a lot of parents is that because as parents, we didn't grow up with it. Uh, We grew up with the, the physical money. And so I think that's going to be something that uh, parents are really going to have to focus in on.
0: Yeah, I I love the conversation on the critical thinking. I was reading an article. I've read a few actually recently in regards to how children aren't accessing that part of their brain as much as, and they did a comparison over the years and the effects because of Google, and because of all of the technological advancements we have, and even as adults, how we're not—we're not going back and and critically thinking in the same way because we can access the answers at our fingertips. So I'm curious to continue discussions on this. However, we do need to go into a break right now, uh, but I look forward to continuing on this. So make sure you're following us
2: at uh, on Twitter, which is at Your Money Matters, or you can uh, check us out. Uh, on our website, which is www.capitalcorfinancial.com, and we'd love to have you uh, call us in and join us in with this conversation that we're having with Chad, who the author of Money Assassins, and that toll-free number is 1-866-472-5790, or by email, send us an email if you want to call in, and that's info at capitalcorefinancial.com. Chad, we'll, uh, we'll see you on the other side. We're going to go in for a quick break, and uh, we'll talk after. Thank you. <music>
4: we're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business
1: Network. You are listening to Conversations with Money with Franco Caliguri and Marissa Sipilinski To reach our show today, please call 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to info at capitalcorefinancial.com. Now, back to Conversations with Money. Welcome back. Uh, You're listening to Conversations with Money.
2: I'm your host, Franco Calaguri.
0: And I'm your host, Marissa Saplensky.
2: We're talking with uh, Chad, uh, who is an author of Money Assassins. And um, before the break, uh, we were talking about the technology. And and, and also, uh, Chad, you were talking about or or providing some advice on what parents can do to provide um, some insight to get the kids to do some critical thinking, uh, being responsible with money. I thought that was, yeah. a, that was a great tip that you provided.
3: Yeah, the... Uh, yeah,
0: and the know. other thing... I w- Sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no. Uh, you go ahead, actually, and then I will I want to jump to something else on technology.
3: Yeah, no, just on... And the, one of the challenges parents are also face is that how technology has allowed uh, marketers to really, you know, track a lot of the, you know, especially with the online stuff now, that mm-hmm, the yeah. tracking of the spending habits. And one of the interesting thoughts, our uh, uh, studies was that... Uh, it was children significantly influence the purchase of vehicles for families, and one of the things that they found is that kids are starting to influence a significant number of purchases on the parents because marketers are also uh, giving advertisements to to kids. If you look at some of the. Uh, um, Television networks for kids and you may be wondering why are they showing uh, advertisements for, you know, the, the Dominican or Mexico. And one of the reasons is that they're finding kids will go then to the parents and tell them, hey, we should go here. And so, you know, parents really have a, a difficult challenge of, uh, you know, being influenced themselves, but also then trying to figure out, you know, who's influencing their kids, who's influencing the fam- family finances as well.
2: Mm-hmm. Hmm. You know, tracking tracking our our purchases is, is definitely um, has been very beneficial for the businesses. Um, a lot of people also benefit uh, a lot, where coupons now could be directed to a certain per They are, making. but however, the impact that it has because now we are inundated constantly with messages of Or or buy two or three now because with this coupon you'll save a dollar.
0: I find it kind of creepy sometimes when I'm on like Facebook and on the side comes pops up an advertisement for a product that somehow somebody knew I either bought or have interest in. It's it's uh, it can be a little much. I think it it throws it it makes impulse purchases. Going back to the whole uh, impulse financial purchases we're making it so tempting and so easy for so people easy. to live outside their means based on shiny, flashy things that slowly creep into our images based on what we're looking at and then it's on the screen on the far right or the far left and you're not necessarily even looking for it or asking for it. It's interesting when that started showing up was a definite moment of, okay, this is this is how far are we going here? Mm. You know?
2: So Chad, um what what can we do? What what can people do? To help them to start thinking more critically and, and to protect their their money and protect the assets and their wealth that they're building?
3: I think one of the first things that they, you know, as individuals we can do is become extremely clear on what we want our money to do for us and how it is involved in our lives. Uh, one of the, the examples I use in the book is a psychologist came across um this really good exercise that you basically make a list of everything you, you kind of want want to be uh, and in the list you can you know you can say I want to fly it didn't have to be you know grounded in reality or you could say I want a million dollars or I want a, a new house but on the other side of the page you you write down kind of like okay you want that for what reason and I think that's one of the things that is really missing in a lot of car consumption is we're really not anchored or grounded in really what am I trying to create in my life? Um, and a, the, probably one of the best examples is, is, is home purchases. You know, when people buy a home, they, you know, they want to create a place that's probably safe for their family, uh, a place to maybe raise kids, have a place to have you know good friend parties, um, just a safe place to have great memories. But you can do that in a. You know, a 500 square, uh, square foot condo, you can do that in a 1,200 square foot home, or you can do it in a 5,000 square foot home. Um, but the idea of creating memories can be done anywhere along that price range. And, but we've kind of been marketed to, and also, you know, just the structure of a lot of the finances is geared towards, you know, bigger, more expensive, and that's supposed to get us those good memories and that happiness. And, you know, unfortunately, many people don't find that out until they're in their 40s and they realize that that didn't work. That wasn't really true. Um, and so to really be grounded in what am I trying to really create and can I create those experiences and those good memories and those senses of adventure and friendship on a smaller budget? And the answer to that is is yes. Um, they're just not marketed to us. On a on a as frequent basis.
2: Well, because if, if if they we were marketed or if companies were to market that create a budget first before you spend money, uh, I don't think it would really come across very well, or their sales wouldn't be what they are. But what I'm hearing from you is take time, understand what money is. You know, on our show we talk about money is a tool, but we we create uh, these emotional. Um, experiences or attachments towards money or these money scripts towards money. and we want to fill in that, that gratification or try to fill in that and fulfill you know the, that uh, emptiness and, and, and spend the money, spend the money on things that will make us uh, feel good. But from what you're saying, have a budget, plan it out, and go through it with a thought process instead of just doing it. Yeah. I want to go to Vegas this weekend. <sighs>
3: Yeah, okay. One of the, yeah.
2: You have well, one. One of the
3: one of the clients, I, uh, a story I, I always remember is um, there's a client who had, you know, they had a lot of money, and they said for their, I think it was their 30th wedding anniversary, their kids gave them a uh, a present of pictures from all the family trips that they took, and this family had taken their kids all around the world, and she said it hit her like a ton of bricks that about three quarters of the pictures in this book we all from camping trips, and she started to re- mm. really realize kids just wanted to run around, have fun, be together, play in the mud, right play down. in the rain, sit on the beach, and it didn't matter if they were in Mexico or Thailand or uh, you know in uh, a provincial park in Alberta, BC, or anywhere else in Canada. Um, and so, you know, it's it's those type of things that you know to to listen to other people's stories. And to, to hear that advice in those stories, and to me, that's one that's always stuck with me, is that really, at the end of the day, the kids just want to be together with the family and to have some freedom and to run around. And you can do that anywhere in the world.
0: You do it in nature for close to nothing. Exactly. Yeah. And. And, and Franco, you mentioned the budgeting and being clear, and it's it's funny, I, it comes back to everything, came up on the weekend, I was running with somebody, and we were talking about budgeting, and I was I was giving it as a recommendation for a next step on something she was working on, and uh, she mentioned, you know, what about one of the apps, I think it was Mint or something else, and, and I couldn't help but think about this conversation when, Chad, you're talking about technology potentially having a harmful effect on us and our financial success, because my rebuttal to her when she brought up, well, what about this app, and I was explaining how we built a a spreadsheet where you manually, it's very, uh, it takes a bit more time, uh, but you make a greater connection with inputting each number and categorizing it. And uh, some of the apps now, you can basically scan the receipt and have no actual connection to the number. And there's no really connecting to the number and understanding what the number is. So you're just scanning it, putting it in, you almost don't even look at it. Which is very much going against the whole idea of what we're trying to do when we when we make the recommendation of going through the budget. Well, yeah, it's taking ownership and having an awareness around the numbers. It's not to create some, you know, it's not necessarily the penny pinching or the you know live within a certain amount of money. Although that might sometimes be the objective. It's more so the big shifts happen when someone creates the awareness and the consciousness around what numbers they're spending, so they know at the end of the month where they say, where well, oh I don't understand where my money go. Well, then they have it in front of them and say, I know I spent. X amount on this, X amount of Starbucks lattes, X amount on whatever it might be, the food, shopping out, impulse purchases. But when it's when it's categorized in a way that you make that connection, which is why I love even when I see people say they're carrying around a book and they're writing it down. I remember my dad gave me, I, I talked about it in one of the episodes, The Hillroy Notebook, and I wrote down every single dollar the in and out uh, when I was 12 years old and babysitting. And you create a different awareness and connection to the money, so it does concern me when I see some of those apps now, the scan, the receipt, and it just inputs it for you. It, it very much goes against a lot of the intent with the budgeting purpose and the budgeting process. Would you agree?
2: Absolutely. It's something that I've been talking about, um, geez, it almost seems like forever, of <laughs> uh, the ownership uh, because when you are just scanning – uh, receipts and, and and you have it inputted and filed away electronically, it's no different than just filing receipts and doing nothing with it. You know, people always ask, how much money should I, should I spend? You know, I spend $150 going to Starbucks and then, what should I be budging? I don't like to budget in terms of you can only spend so much there. What I like people to do is to fully understand what going to Starbucks actually does for you. If there, you go there and it actually relaxes you, it gives you an experience, you feel good, you feel recharged.
0: And it has a value of that.
2: That is value. But, but right. what you need to do then is go, okay, well, I need to spend $150 Starbucks here because this is what it does for me. But however, you do have a responsibility then to take it away from somewhere else. Because mm-hmm. if you're only making X amount, so let's say it's 5000 but you're spending 5500 you're going to go into massive debt because you're spending over a month so if you don't change what you do and that's why I like to look at budgeting as a value based budgeting where what's important to you and what's not and then approaching it that way chad does that yep. you know, would you agree with yeah. that would you disagree
3: yeah no I think the you know connecting to the values i think is the core part um you know, unfortunately one of the things that Canadians are facing is that basically 50% of their income goes to uh, their either their mortgage or rent payment and their vehicle cost. And so one of the things I just kind of focused on in the book was that, um, you know, getting your values around, do you want to spend 50% of your income on those two items? That That's a big number. And to me, that was where I thought, you know, you, and Canadians can make the quickest, biggest difference, though it's a really difficult one. Uh, especially with clients who've already overextended themselves on their vehicle or their car, or, or on their home, to really do a gut check and say, Can, I, I think I have to make a change here if I want to free up any cash flow. Uh, because if you make a change on 50% of your income, you, that frees up a significant amount of money for Savings and debt reduction, and any the, uh, the other financial things you may want to do in your life, um, and so to me, one of the things was just trying to go: like, do I really value that car that much that it's taking up that much of my income? Uh, do I value my house that much that is taking up almost you know that s- size of my income? Um, and I think you know, or can I do it in a different way? And I think your you know, you guys' approach to connecting to the values and make it a lot more tangible and not just automatic is, is the, is the right train of thought. Um, Marissa, your idea of actually writing it down, like all the studies show that if you actually write something down, th- the impact it has on the individual is like tenfold versus if you just kind of automatically mm-hmm. shuffle it in somewhere. Um, and you know, we, This stuff isn't meant to be easy. If you look at generations who were able to accumulate the most amount of wealth, it was the Great Depression generation. And by no means do I want us to go back to a Great Depression. But some of the things that they did back then is they hardwired their mind to be financially wise. They wrote things down. They tracked everything. They connected. Do I really find spending money on this a value or not? Is it really to my core principles? And, um, you know, those are the type of things that they did extremely well. And they happened to be the generation that was able to save the most amount of money with the least financial advice on their fingertips. And they did it because they, it was hard work. It's meant to be hard work. And, uh, the idea that it it just can happen and be easy, I think is a, a, is a misgiving that a lot of times, uh, especially the media says, well, just do this and you'll be rich. Well, it just doesn't work that way. You have to put some uh, some effort into it.
0: Effort forward, right. Yeah, it's interesting how when things are so easy, we don't – it's always the most difficult times when we make extreme changes and when we have the greatest uh, effects and Im- impact. And so it's, it's no surprise what you just shared about the uh, depression and how people were able to build – uh, financial success without the education and the tips and everything that we have today which is interesting because it's like we're at a time where we are we have at our fingertips the most accessible education and tips and resources and really we're making we're choosing the least amount of, you know, financial uh, responsibility and education, and and not actually taking advantage of what's available to us,
2: because we actually should be, um, by definition, actually richer now, have more financial.
0: Yeah, well-being,
2: but but we're falling behind.
0: But if you think about it and you go and you're given a tool and you're said here, somebody hands something to you and it's handed to you in the way that the system today is handed to you with those people, with the kiosks at the airport handing out credit cards, with the kiosks at the university, like you said in the school, here, take the credit card, take another, go to Home Depot, I went through Home Depot, here's a credit card, everything. So and but there's no education that comes with that. And, and yeah, I think it's an interesting topic, which we can get into maybe after the break a little bit more, but you know, whose responsibility is that I'm choosing to say yes to the credit card. Is it my responsibility then to, you know, I'm the one spending to to understand fully what the repercussions Mm -hmm. and how that works a hundred percent, a hundred percent. And I think we've very much, you know, not taken on that responsibility because it's just coming to us so easily. Mm -hmm. And, and like the purchase, Chad, you mentioned of a home, which is taking up over 50% oftentimes between a home and a car. You know, I've seen it go up as far as 70% of someone's income going allocated towards home spending. We make it so easy in so many ways. Great. You qualified for a mortgage
2: wow. uh, and your, and 30
0: year amortization on the property. So now I've made it so easy to be house poor and car poor and, and not seek out proper financial advice just because it was, to some degree, handed to me on a silver platter.
2: Chad, we're going to be going into a break. Um, how can uh, people get in touch with you? Do you have a website?
3: Yeah, it's um, it was moneyassassins.com, or uh, if anyone just wants to send an email, it's uh, chad at rtradvisory.com. Um, and I'm also on Twitter at cviminets.
2: And uh, where, where, if people are interested in buying your book, uh, where can they find your book?
3: Yeah, the probably easiest is on Amazon. Um, bookstores still can order it in if it's not on the shelves. But probably Amazon is the, as we we're talking about uh, ways to not spend money, but Amazon is the easiest. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> yes, yes, but buying your book will help people out. Yeah. Uh, so hey, I'm I'm a big believer of educating ourselves, and um, I I probably read a book a, a week. So you're talking to um, to a book ber- a, a book nerd I'm here. Nerd, I'm
0: a podcast nerd.
2: You're a podcast nerd. Well, th- th- there you go. That's that's perfect.
0: We're a good pair. Uh,
2: <laughs> that's perfect. Um, now, if you are enjoying this conversation, we would love to have you join us. Uh, that toll free number is one eight six six four seven two five seven nine zero
0: or you can email us at info at capitalcorefinancial.com.
2: Also you can uh, follow us on Twitter love to have you join us on Twitter and that is at your money matters and uh, there is no e in the matters or you can check us out uh, on our website. We have a promo video there where you can see what Marissa and I look like. <laughs> And our website is www.capitalcorefinancial.com or even uh, like us on Facebook. Capital Financial.
0: Looking forward to on the other side of the break, getting into this more.
2: Absolutely. Uh, Chad, we'll, we'll uh, see you on the other side.
4: Voice America Business Network the bottom line in business. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy.
1: to Conversations with Money with Franco Caliguri and Marissa Sipolinsky. To reach our show today, please call 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to info at capitalcorefinancial.com. Now, back to Conversations with Money.
2: Welcome back. Uh, we're we're joined by uh, Chad Vimmitz, uh is who is the author of Money Assassins, and Chad. Actually, during the break, uh, we were talking about uh, whose responsibility is it to provide advice on on when someone's getting a loan. Uh, nowadays, it, it, you're starting to hear of, of ten-year car loans. It's that is just crazy to even think about getting a loan to purchase uh, a car and which is uh, a depreciable assets. And, uh, but um, the, the marketers uh, are saying that, well, it, it's, a, you can get a better car now and, and you can pay a less uh, payment per month. So why wouldn't you do it? And it seems to make sense. You can get a better car, better safety, better but if features. if someone
0: doesn't interject, if you don't have a financial advisor or a parent that you consult with or somebody even a mature responsible that's financially responsible and lives within their means, why would you? how would you know that what's being recommended to you by someone who you think is a professional and a specialist in that, they're a specialist at selling cars. They're not a specialist at financial advising and financial education. So why would you ever question them? If I wanted a car and this person said to me, here's the way that you can have this car, you can have the nicer car, all you have to do is sign on the dotted line and I'm going to put you through a credit application and, and qualify you for a 10-year loan and you tell me that's available to me and you're smiling looking at me and I've got that pretty shiny car in front of me, chances are I'm going to sign and say, sure, check it out. Who's, who's going to interject and tell me that that's not, you know, it goes back to whose financial responsibility is it? And who's responsible for obtaining the education to make more, uh, well, to make more financially responsible decisions?
2: Yeah, well, come on. <clears throat> you, you, you deserve the car. You deserve the... Uh,
0: the shiny car. The the,
2: the 70,000 <laughs> car compared to a 50. the leather
0: interior seats, hypothetically. <laughs> well, come on. God,
2: don't you agree? Oh,
3: of course. You guys deserve them. <laughs> yes, you guys for sure do. <laughs> But I think yeah, there's a couple things at play that I think are really difficult. One is, you know, it's it's part of our psyche that we self-select the information we look for. If we made the decision that we want to go and buy a certain type of house, we will look for information that confirms that that decision's a good decision. And then, unfortunately, you know, there are some very good lenders out there who will tell you you shouldn't buy this house because it's you probably can't afford it. But the vast majority of the lending industry will lend to the maximum. And um, the the challenge there is for a lot of young people who go and buy their first home or a car and they go in and say, well, how much, of a, how much can I afford? And the lender says X amount of dollars, they usually take that as a sign of financial responsibility and good planning because they don't know any other option. Um, and I, I was fortunate one time to have a, a conversation with a, a senior manager at uh, ATB. And we got into this conversation and I asked them, you know, why do banks lend up to 40% of your total debt service ratio? And um, th- he basically said, we're comfortable with that level. And I said, but if you do that, that individual will have no freedom for any financial savings. And he agreed. He said, you're right. And you could tell that he didn't like that answer, but that's correct. Um, and unfortunately, I think until the lenders, to a large extent, have some sort of disclosure that this is not financial advice, <laughs> this is for us to make money and what we're comfortable with, um, that individual is in a difficult position unless they have some people like a good financial planner or their parents or a friend or a sibling looking out for them as well. But that brings up that conversation as well that you know financial well-being is invisible, you know. we're we're talking over uh, online right now we can't see each other but you know the conversations about money does not happen we don't walk around with something that says i have a mortgage of five hundred thousand dollars or i have a 10-year car loan and the conversations don't happen because financial well-being is invisible and that's one of the things i think is great about a show like this is bringing that invisibility out of the woodworks and start talking about it Mm
0: -hmm. Mm mm-hmm
2: Because it shouldn't be embarrassing. It shouldn't be uh, a topic that uh, we shouldn't uh, be afraid to have. Uh, We should be talking about uh, money and the responsibility and that critical thinking that goes behind our decisions that we make. Um, I had uh, uh, a client uh, years ago that was given as a a wedding gift gift. uh, an actual car and you think that's great wow a car but it was actually a car with a, a lease payment attached to it <laughs> a car loan attached really? to it and um, again huh. very good intentions very good intentions but not didn't understand the consequences that would have and, and and the habit and and the oh, how okay it is that uh this is what you do this is what you give as a gift you know you pass on that 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 uh, wealth of knowledge or lack of wealth of knowledge to, to the next generation.
0: I think there's so many, going back to that expression that too many cooks in the kitchen, I think there's so many people involved in all of our financial picture. You know, oftentimes we quarterback all of the financial decisions when a client gives us that responsibility, which I love because otherwise you have people in every field giving financial advice that aren't qualified and it's really easy as the client or as the individual walking through this world with so much at our fingertips impulsively that we're, we're capable of attaining to abnegate responsibility, to not take responsibility responsibility for becoming financially savvy enough or educated enough to know what what is the maximum car payment I can make right now? And do I want to stretch myself to a 10-year loan? Does that make sense? You know, what, what makes sense for me to go into the market with in terms of, yes, I'm approved for a $700,000 home, but do, do I, I want it? it? Do I need yeah. it? Just because I'm approved for a twenty-five thousand dollar visa, I already have five other cards. Why am I taking it? Or just because Home Depot offers me hypothetically a credit card when I'm cashing With a 5% out? Five percent <laughs> discount
2: if you apply right now. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not talking about anybody no, in particular.
0: Hypothetically, of course. You know, yes, that was me. I came in the next day and told Franco, but why?
2: And I told her. Why she shouldn't have taken yeah. it but anyways.
0: but but the idea is it's unavailable at our fingertips so much, and there's so many people throwing information at us that are that's shiny and and sparkly that it's very easy to not take responsibility for making decisions based on data, on education. And getting that education and getting that data. Similar to what I brought up in the team meeting this morning where you said that's great that I helped the individual uh, say, stop, don't get involved in just emotionally reacting and let's look at the data. It's the same with this, is why do we walk you, we walk through our lives oftentimes and just sort of grabbing at different things without fully understanding the cause and effect and the consequences. One so the other I asks, think financial Part ris- Pardon me? Yeah, one of the other I think
3: what you're saying is uh, is absolutely correct. And one of the things that's often not discussed is all the benefits if you don't take the ten year car loan or if you, you mm-hmm. know, don't take the seven hundred thousand dollar mortgage and you take a four hundred. Right. No one's advertising the idea of, hey, you know what? You know, you can work four days a week or you can take that vacation you want to take. Um, because in essence with cars, one of the, the quick stats I always kind of say is basically you work one day a week for your car or for your vehicle. And, you know, do you want to work one full day a week to service a vehicle? And, you know, and that's getting in that type of conversation, you know, gets people to think of, do I really want to spend my life energy working for these other items that probably aren't that important when I really look at it? But as Mercy you said, you know, uh, when the shiny object comes flying by, it's pretty hard to resist it.
0: Yeah, and I, I think oftentimes it's it's hard for people to connect in those moments when that shiny object is coming by and I've got that card that I can swipe and make no connection with the actual value, it's hard for us to pair back and realize that's what I worked those long hours to earn. Like we don't we don't necessarily walk around saying to ourselves, My purchase decisions are a statement of my values. My purchase decisions are a statement of my I'm choosing to say that my value in this moment is to drive the shinier car and I'm going to work my butt off all these hours to drive that. Because we've made it so easy, we don't create, and when I say we, I mean the economy and the way that, you know, our accessibility is these days. We don't have the same connection with, I worked these hours, I earned this money, and I'm choosing to spend my money on this thing, which I'm now saying is my value. So I I think the fact that we don't have that process, the fact fact that we've taken that out of the equation, it makes it a lot easier for impulse buys to be larger and larger and larger until the point where you're impulse buying, unfortunately, homes and cars.
2: Yeah. But if we were to have that conversation, if we were to pause, reflect, uh, studies show, Chad, studies have shown us that uh, when we actually have to pay with cash, we will choose to spend less. But if we charge the money, actually put on the credit card, we will end up spending more because yeah. of the detachment that we have or don't have <laughs> with that uh, purchase. But when the bill does come, all of a sudden then it becomes real. But there's a delay during that time.
3: And usually it's very difficult to to go back and return it because there's a whole bunch of emotional triggers that are reasons why we don't do that and I think that's one thing that you know people need to uh, i guess in the book one of the things I really tried to explain is that yes I think there's a lot of personal responsibility people have to take for their financial decisions but I wanted them to really also understand is that. There's a lot of outside factors that are really making it difficult for that individual to make that good decision and that they need to be aware of those factors on the outside so that they can be better prepared to navigate the, 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 the new landscape because a lot of these factors of you know the credit limits amounts and technology are making it easy to buy and the impulse buys, those were never around 30 years ago. Uh, the environment, right and it's also a, a financial psyche, like there was a time when the government was telling you that credit is bad and that credit would go serve the enemy during the, you know, the war. And that's, uh, you know, you had war stamps. And government was out there promoting people to save money. And now government is out there promoting to a large extent that people go and spend their money. Um, and, you know, that, that's a really different environment to be trying to build wealth in. And I think that one of the first steps is just to be aware of how those factors have changed. And once you've been aware of that, then you can start figuring out how do I make better decisions? Who do I align myself with? And, you know, probably one of the best decisions is who's quarterbacking me through all this and looking out for my best interests because most of the people out there are trying to take your money and not give your money to yourself. and I think that's one of the things your financial planner should be looking at is looking out for yourself.
2: Well, Chad, I can't believe that uh, one hour has uh, gone by so fast. Uh, I've enjoyed uh, our conversation with you and we're definitely going to have to have you uh, back and and join us uh, again. Uh, If people want to uh, check you out or reach out to you, how can they do that again?
3: Yeah, it's uh, on Twitter at C. Viminitz and uh, chad at rtradvisory.com are the two best ways.
0: Thanks, Chad. I think uh, there's about five topics that we've just touched on that I, I'm excited to continue on. I think at the end of the day, uh, the piece that's become very apparent to us over the years is we've been given tools with Little to no education, and it really is a problem. It's people are spending outside of their means. Impulse buys and those shiny objects are just becoming larger and larger. And technology really is making it harder for us to make wise financial decisions. But at the end of the day, we need to take financial responsibility. We talked a lot today about whose financial responsibility is it? Who is responsible for seeking out that education? Uh, it's us. It's ultimately we need to stop putting that on someone else. It's the consumer, it's the buyer. And uh, whether that's you know spending in cash only, as you mentioned it, or being aware, it's it's and making sure that you have a quarterback that's looking out for your best interest, as you put it, Chad. It's it's a time that we all started taking responsibility. So thank you very much for the conversation.
2: Yeah, thank you, Chad, uh, for joining but, us.
3: Thanks for having me.
2: Well, we thank all of you for listening this week, and we hopefully you enjoyed our conversation that we had with uh, Chad Viminitz, uh, author of Money Assaf. And uh, we uh, look forward to having you join us next week. So have a great and successful week. Thank you.
1: Thank you for tuning in this week. Please join Franco Caligiuri and Marissa Sipolinski again for another edition of Conversations with Money. Next Tuesday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a wealthy week.